All right, I'm here with Jesse Romero. There's a lot of bad stuff in the world, bad stuff in health, politics, economics, portfolios, the church, traditional Latin mass. We got a bishop who was just murdered in, out here in California. It's discouraging. Many people are discouraged. Today's Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. We received ashes on our head. Remember, O oh man, that thou art dust, and the dust thou shalt return. We need to be encouraged. We need to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I said rejoice, St. Paul says. Rejoice in the world? No, rejoice in the Lord. Jesse Romero, we're going to talk about it. Happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Lent. Hey, hey same to you, uh, Taylor. Taylor. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I and agree. I agree. The, uh, we have we to have remember, remember that, that we're just, we're just passing, passing through this, this world. world. We're not, not going to be here for that long. long. I, I, I think, think Psalm 90 says that. It says that, that we that live till about, about 70 years, years old in the 70s. 70s if you're very, very strong, strong until about 80. 80. We're not going to be here that long. long. Yeah. And so, so one of the one verses, verses that, that keeps that keeps me going in focus and to stay the course is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so I think, Taylor, I'd like to just share with the with with the family out there how to keep your faith. During, during this, what I would call, call during this, this, uh, uh, this, this present, present darkness, darkness we find, find ourselves in, and how and to how keep your sanity, sanity uh, right, right now during, during this, this present darkness, darkness that we that find ourselves in. I notice a lot of Catholics, Catholics they, they, they focus and just, they, uh, they're they just, just focused like a laser on all the negative stuff that's happening. And there is. Again, a bishop just got murdered not too far from where you're at. And he's and a he's friend, a friend of, mine. of mine. I know him. I know him. Uh, uh, there, there is things, things that are happening that are concerning, but we have to remember, there's nothing I can do to change the election of a governor, of a mayor, of a, mayor, of a sheriff, of a president, uh, a papal election, uh, a, 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 a bishop being elevated to cardinal. There's nothing I can do about that. And so I'm going to get very micro here, very granular, and very, and very practical. practical. Here's, Here's the first thing, thing that I just, I just I, 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 and this and is this what Jesse, Jesse Romero, Romero does, does so, so I can I keep, keep sane and stay the course. course. This, this is, is what, what I do. I do. Number, Number one, one, I focus, I focus on, on myself, myself, my personal walk with the Lord, my prayer life, my interior life, my sacramental life. It's got to be strong. And it's got to be stronger than ever right now, or you're useless. You're useless to the mystical body of Christ. Number, Number one. one. Two. two. I'm going to give you five, five points, points, too. too. Focus, Focus on, on your, your domestic, domestic church. church. That's, That's your, your family. family. That's, That's your, your spouse. spouse. Those are your, your children. children. Those, Those are your, your grandchildren. grandchildren. Continue, Continue to, to inform, inform them. them. Evangelize them. Catechize them. Encourage them. And pray for them. Because remember, we've got to be about the business the first, the first order, order of business, business is, is to save our family beyond anything else. That's, That's what I call the Joshua 2415 principle. As, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Acts 1631 principle. You got the jailer who's about to kill himself. Because uh, the Lord miraculously opens up all the jail cells when Paul and Silas are praising God in song. And the jailer who sees Paul and Silas confronts them, he says... Sir, Sir, what must I do to be saved? As Paul tells the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your family. 
will be saved. There it is. Salvation comes through patriarchy. Joshua 24, 14. Acts 16, 31. So guys, focus on your domestic church. Don't get caught up in all the weeds of politics, of, of foreign affairs, of what's happening over across the pond. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta feed Michael. You don't, you don't see your family. family. Everything, Everything was a waste of time. time. Yeah. Number three. And this and is where we kind of come in, 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 this. in this. Be an Be influencer. influencer. In other in words, words uh, uh, everybody, everybody has, has a certain, a certain network, network, certain social contacts, social contacts a, unique a unique family, family a, unique a unique set, set of friends. friends. So, so we all we have, have influence on people. Evangelize them, catechize them, encourage them, inspire them, inform them, promote promote virtual life of virtue, model a life of virtue, and teach Catholics also in your network of friends and family how to think like a Catholic, to promote the common good, especially when it comes to time of voting, to promote a culture of life. Encourage and inspire them in their faith walk. Be an influencer. Number four. And this, and this is a big, big one here because, because here's the, the devil, devil goes after our emotions. emotions. Mm. Don't, Don't be discouraged by the enormity of the task that lies ahead of us. When you start looking at through the CCC, the World Economic Forum, oh no, the President Papacy right now, the Roman Curie, oh no, the USCCB, 14 LGBT bishops, oh no, Biden, the most pro-abortion president in history. When you start focusing on the enormity of the task, it overwhelms you. I think, I think about, about like St. Like Mother, Mother Teresa, Teresa Marshall. Marshall. She, she recognized that her efforts and those, and those of her fellow sisters of charity, charity they, they were, were, she said this in her own efforts are a drop in a vast ocean of need. Those are her words exactly. But one thing about Mother Teresa, she never wavered. And that's why we call her St. Mother Teresa because her legacy lives on today. It's like a, uh, I remember there's a, 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 a the King Leonidas said, uh, uh, your names will echo in eternity. Spartans, your names will echo in eternity. We, we're called to leave a legacy and don't be discouraged. We can't do everything. There was a famous uh, statesman back in the 19th century, Edward Hale. He said, I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything. But I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. Close quote. So what I mean by stay the course. Use your talents for God. Do your best, but also stay in your lane. Don't be, don't be a, a jack of all trades and good at nothing. Stay in your lane. I, I, God has given me, I don't know, maybe the, the zeal or the, or, or the passion or the ability to inspire people with the Catholic faith. So that's what I do. And, 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 I, and I try to do it to the best of my ability every single chance I have the opportunity. And here's the fifth point that I would say. The fifth point is that at the end of the day, remember this. God's in control. He's not asleep. It's his world. He loves everybody in this planet. This is his Catholic Church. And divine providence is guiding the Catholic Church right now through these rough waters. For what? For final victory. 
But what, what do we have to do? Persevere to the end. Matthew 10, 22, Matthew 24, 13. Persevere, persevere, persevere to the end. Yeah, I know it's like a rodeo right now. Hang on, hang on. As St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and God will hear your prayer. I, I recall reading a story about Pope John the 23rd who convened Vatican II. This was like right around when he passed away, right around 1961. People used to come up to him and dump all kinds of problems on him. And it was said that Pope John the 23rd, before he went to bed, he said, people that knew him said, there was an eight-word simple prayer that he would say every night before he went to bed. And here it is. He would say, quote, it's your church, God. I'm going to bed close quote <laughs> in other words even as the pope he understood i can't take the problems of the world and of the church on my shoulders give give this to god go to bed give these problems to god in prayer god has bigger shoulders than any one of us and guess what god's going to be up all night anyhow you and me will be asleep god will be up all night give him the problems of the church and of the world he's got big shoulders so those are five things, Taylor, I think they're very basic that'll help people, again, keep your faith and your sanity, this present darkness that we find ourselves in. So was, wait, was, um, was that, how many were there? Were there five of them? Five. Yeah. yeah okay, I'll, I'll so, so here's what I've got. I've got spiritual strength. You have to be spiritually strong yourself. And that requires daily spiritual exercise. It's yes. just like lifting weights. Yes. You have to pick up the 10-pound dumbbells first and do sets of 10. You have to get under the bar. You got to and over time you put weight on. If you don't do anything, you can't say, "Hey, I'm here for the end times. Hey, I'm going to be a martyr. Hey, I'm going to evangelize people." You're weak. We must cooperate with the grace of God in the norms given by the church by the saints, right? Praying our rosary, doing the Angelus, reading the Bible, going to Mass every day, going to Mass on Sunday, going to Eucharistic Adoration, Stations of the Cross, fasting, prayer. These are the norms we must do. That's number one. Number two, focus on your family and your circle. Yeah. Save your family and your friends. and the, It's subsidiarity, right, Jesse? Yeah. Micro. Micro. Yeah. You can manage the micro. You can't manage the macro. Jesse, you and I are going to have probably zero influence on the WEF and the UN. Just is what it is. Right. But our kids, our wife, yeah. our friends. Yeah. yeah. Number three, be an influence for Christ. Number four. Don't be discouraged by the enormous evils. And number five, God is not asleep. He reigns. Persevere until victory. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, he, here's what brings me a lot of comfort, Taylor. In the Catholic Church, I remember, uh, that's 20 some odd years ago. I still remember the lecture because it touched me so much from... Dr. Mark Miraval at Steubenville. I remember he said the Catholic Church has two aspects to it. 
It has a Petrine aspect and the Marian. So I'm, I'm listening and like, wow, okay, I never heard that's good. Taking notes and stuff. And he said, here's what he said. The Petrine aspect was given to us by Christ, obviously. Matthew 16, 18, 19, the office of Peter. You get, you know, liturgy, uh, doctrine, excommunication, discipline, order, structure, um, doctrine, dogma. That's the Petrine aspect of the church. And we need it. We need it. Then Dr. Miravella said, and by the way, I remember he was, because he played a clip of John Paul II. So it was actually a speech that John Paul II gave, and then he just elaborated on it. Then John Paul II said, and Dr. Miravella uh, continued to elaborate. He said, then he also had the Marian aspect of the church. The Marian aspect of the church, he said, this shocked me. He goes, the Marian aspect of the church takes primacy over the Petrine aspect. I said, what? Wow. And here's why. I'll tell you why. When you look at the Petrine aspect of the church, the Pope and bishops can get attacked by the diabolical. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you some... I'll give you some proof positive from the, from the scriptures. Remember that our Lord Jesus Christ rebuked the first pope, and he told him in Matthew 16, I forget what verse, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking like God, you're thinking like a man. Also, Peter, the first pope, denied our Lord three times. Peter, the first pope, tried to run away from Rome uh, during the first century persecutions under Emperor Nero. Our Lord appeared to him miraculously in a vision and told him to go back to Rome and to die there. So the point that I'm making is that the devil goes after the Petrine aspect of the church. And we see that in history, the Borgia popes, the, uh, you know, the, the Medici popes, uh, you, you see that. And the, and the, and the devil also has access to go after bishops. We could just see, for example, in the 12 apostles, uh, one of the bishops, Judas, handpicked by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly tells us, for example, in John chapter 13, verse 2 and 27, it says, And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, then after the morsel, Satan entered into him. Verse 27, Jesus said to him, What you're going to do, do it quickly. So the Bible says, Matthew, John 13, 27, Satan entered into the heart of Judas. That's a bishop right there. That's a bishop. And, and and our Lord says, just to prove it, he says to Peter, Peter, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. Satan had put in a special request. To, I want Peter. Luke 22, 3, here's another one. Bible, the Bible says, then Satan entered into Judas, called the Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. John 6, 70. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? The point that I'm making is this, is that a pope, a bishop, and a priest can be compromised sexually or financially. Satan can go after them, and he has. And so this is, this is nothing that, uh, I think sometimes people think that, oh, there's not a chance that the devil could, could, could attack the Holy Father or a bishop or a priest. They're too holy. No. There, even I can even give you some uh, current examples of huge satanic attacks. Uh, back in 2020, there was a Catholic priest over in uh, Pearl River, Louisiana, 
uh, his name was uh, Father Travis Clark. He was having sex on an altar with two, fem- two female Satanists. Uh, back in 2010, uh, Rachel Gio Giacomo, she was raped in multiple acts of satanic ritual abuse by a Catholic priest, Jacob Bertrand. I mean, I can go. Uh, a, a bishop in Spain, Bishop Xavier Novell, who was an exorcist, became elevated to a bishop. He ran off. He contracted a, ser- a serial marriage, civil marriage with a female satanist and left the bishopric. Cardinal Burke, uh, I remember he also said back in uh, a couple of years ago, he said, diabolical forces have entered into St. Peter's Basilica through the Pachamama idolatry committed on sacred crown in front of the Pope. Uh, Chief exorcist, Father Gabriel Amorth, before he passed away, he says, he says the devil is in the Vatican. So what's the point that I'm making? The Petrine aspect, of course we need it. We need the bishops and Pope. But what I'm saying is they're men. Okay, they're men. They got clay feet like we do. They they struggle at Romans chapter 7. The spirit of the flesh. They need confession, the sacraments, and prayer like we do. And so this is why, as Catholics, I, I, I sound the alarm. We have to total, re, totally rely on the Marian aspect of the church. Why is that? Because there is no verse outside of Genesis 3.15 where God promises to any other creature that they'll have total coercive power and authority over Satan, except for the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as, as you all know, because I read an article that you wrote on this, some of the Jewish rabbis, some of the Jewish scholars, have actually exegeted Genesis 3.15 as the mother of the Redeemer, the mother of the Messiah, which comports again with uh, the Dewey Reims version of the Bible, she shall crush your head. This is why as Catholics, how are we going to be safe from this present darkness? Catholics have to go and become deeply devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Catholics need to embrace, embrace deep Marian piety. One of the things that is, is, is non-negotiable, non-negotiable right now, the Daily Rosary. Non-negotiable. Yes. If a Catholic is not praying the Daily Rosary, um, he is unprotected. Yeah, because it's like you're it's like you're on the front lines and you're like, I forgot my gun. I don't or or I brought my gun, but the clip I left at home with all the ammo. It's like, why are you even here? You're a liability. You got to You don't you're not even armed. How are you going to have my back? How are you going to have my six? And you you forgot your gun at home. Yeah. And and, and I'll tell you, Taylor, when, when you look at the promises not only from scripture, but then you look at the promises, for example, like uh, Our Lady's seven promises to those who meditate on the seven sorrows. Uh, two promises that jump out at me. Promise number five. I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. Promise six. I will help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. When you look at the promises that the Blessed Virgin Mary has made throughout history to the saints and blesses and mystics, she's confirming the Genesis 3.15 message. I got this. Trust in me. And that's why 
I, I know Protestants, this is a quandary for Protestants, but for a Catholic, with Catholic sensibilities because of the sacramental graces we receive, it's easy for us to accept the whole Queen Mother notion, the Gebi Ra, the Queen Mother. This is, I, I remember Archbishop Fulton Sheen in, in, in one of the books that he wrote, he said that the Blessed Virgin Mary is the, is the Marian component, the Marian aspect of Christianity. The Marian aspect of Christianity. And uh, I'll tell you, you know who gets this? A lot of times, a lot of my black friends, and some of them that have converted to the Catholic faith, they don't have a hard time with Mary. You know why? Because in black churches, they have what's called the church mama. The church mama. It's usually an old, pious, black lady that's been in that same church for 50 years. Everybody goes up to her for counseling and for mentoring, and she prays with them. Every black church, all my black friends, they say, we all got a church mama. And so, you know who I even heard this from? Rest in peace. He was a friend of mine, Alex Jones. You remember him, Alex Jones? The black Pentecostal that converted to the Catholic yeah. faith. He passed away a few years ago. Yeah, he told me the same thing. I didn't He says, all black churches have a church. He goes, so it wasn't hard for me to accept the ultimate church mama, the mother of God. It was an easy leap. But Taylor, I think another thing that as Catholics, I, going back and just looking at also the 15 promises of, of Our Lady in the Rosary, the 15 promises of the Rosary to Our Lady, there's four of them that jump out that, uh, that are spiritual warfare promises. And this is what we need to hear today. Promise number two, I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who recite the rosary. Special protection, great graces, all those who recite the rosary. Number three, the rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. Promise five. <laughs> the soul which recommends itself to me by the recitation of the rosary shall not perish. You won't go to hell. Yeah, there you go. And here's I just want to say right here, everybody hears me on every single podcast episode. Pray the rosary every day. You're not on the team. As you can hear Jesse saying, this was not something that I thought of one day. Like, oh, that'd be really cool. I should go and say you should pray the rosary every day. That would be a good suggestion for Catholic people on earth. No, this is the mother of God herself that says this and the saints and the popes. Why would you not want to do the daily recitation of the rosary when Our Lady is straight up telling you the benefits, including you won't go to hell? That's right. Amen. Promise 13. I have obtained from my divine son that all the advocates of the rosary shall have for intercessors the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of death. So notice what Our Lady said. Promise 13. Our Lady will be at your bedside when you are sick and dying. And all the other saints, too. I want that. I'll, I'll tell you, Taylor, I, I, I have personal experience with the rosary where uh, the, 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 Our Lady has intervened in my life. Here's one. Here, here's this one. I was at a, in front of an abortion clinic when I lived eight years ago when I, when I still lived in Los Angeles. The year before I moved out here, every Wednesday I'd go out to an abortion clinic after mass, met some 
the same people there. And there was always a priest there, typically Father uh, Robert Guerin, uh, a very holy priest. He was typically there every Wednesday. I remember, so Father Robert Guerin was there, myself, and probably about 20 pious ladies. So there's two men, me and the priest. Some biker is slows, starts uh, riding very slow in front of us and starts F-bombing and flipping us off. And the, the typical stuff from, from the left, we're, we're praying. We're just praying through it, you know, just typical, uh, another just another day in Los Angeles County. The guy makes a U-turn. Now my police senses kick in. He makes a U-turn and comes back, continues the dropping the F-bombs, you know, flipping us off and cursing at a loud voice. So I'm a 20 woman. I'm with a priest. I'm saying, okay. The guy parks it right there, right in front of us. And he's looking at me and he's directing his, his, his vitriol at me. I'm still praying. And I'm like saying, okay, it's, it's, I got to protect the priest and I got to protect these women. Okay. He gets off his bike and he starts walking at me and he is, I'm going to kick your, uh, he was just upset that we were praying. And so at this point, I went back to my martial arts days. I was I was pretty good at martial arts when I was younger. So I still have muscle memory. So I took my boxing stance and my kickboxing stance, you know, dropped my shoulder, dropped my chin, dropped, dropped my knees, bladed off, hands up. But I still have the rosary. And so as he's cussing at me, I'm saying, I'm going to let this guy hear the rosary. If we're going to, if we're going to get into it, He's going to hear the word of God. So I'm saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with me. Now he's cut. So people are looking. This is Sepulveda Boulevard, a very busy street. You got two men. One is saying bad words at the top of his lungs with a biker jacket, just parked his Harley. Another guy is in a in a martial arts stance, in a boxing stance, praying the Our Fathers and Hail Marys at the top of his voice. We're both yelling at each other. And I'm just saying, if he gets close enough in striking distance, I'm going to have to get busy with him. He gets about five feet in front of me, and I'm saying, okay, i got to protect the priest, got to protect the women. This guy's going to lift, this guy's going to raise his hands. All of a sudden, his, his countenance changed. He looked at me, and it was like a blank stare. It's like he was like, what am I doing here? What am I doing? It's like he lost, he, he, it's like he went in a trance. His, his he stopped cussing. His demeanor totally changed. He became normal. He looked normal. And he looked at us like, what am I doing here? Walked back to his bike, put on his jacket, started, and drove off. I don't know what happened, but I can tell you this. I held my ground. And I kept projecting the word of God towards him. And again, people don't realize that when you project the word of God into the cosmos, uh, it is it is powerful. It is it is a two-edged sword. It it cuts. It says, my word will not return to me void. And it did it because yes. as I kept projecting our fathers in glory bees and hail Marys, and I'm in a fighter stance, something happened. Our lady intervened, and his counter, he's five feet from me. I'm like, oh no, we're gonna get busy. All of a sudden, he completely changes. It wasn't me. I didn't intimidate him. He certainly wasn't scared of 20 old women. He wasn't scared of the priest. The Blessed Virgin 
Mary, she honored my prayers because I was praying in faith and I was praying. I, I don't want to get in a fight in front of an abortion clinic. And again, uh, here's another one. I was at the airport. There was a guy in front of me um, in Southwest. I'm a frequent flyer. I'm in line. Uh, a guy in front of me, probably about 20 years younger, he's got a smut magazine and it, it's open and he's right in front of me and 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 he's he's uh he's getting titillated like oh 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 yeah right in front right in the line 100 people in line i'm right behind him and i i was reading this papal encyclical i think i was i think i was reading like fetus at ratio faith and reason i remember i was reading one of john paul ii's papal encyclicals and so I'm thinking like God Wait, is this a line like a, a TSA line? No, we're ready to board the plane. We're he's got plane. he's got a porno mag oh, yeah. out. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And he's enjoying it and he's letting us know how much he's enjoying it. So what I did, I said, Lord, I said, I this this guy's offending you, Lord. Lord, I, I'm I'm so sorry. So what I, I said, I'm just gonna pray for this guy. In my mind, in my mind, so you know. So in my mind, I pray the Hail Mary, and then I said, then I said the second, I said, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for him. And I remember I was like mentally, like projecting specifically, like a laser at him. He turns around when I finish the Hail Mary. When I say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for him. Mm. He turned around. And he growled at me. He said, stop it. Stop it. I'm like, he's looking at me. Taylor, there's Wait, no were way. Were you praying out loud or are you praying no, quiet? It was mental. I didn't even move my lips. He had his back to me. But the demon that was his buddy, sometimes Father Rickerberg calls him clingers. The little clinger that was with him obviously saw the prayer that I was projecting like an arrow because that's what the book of Psalms calls prayers, mm -hmm. arrows. And he felt the sting of that arrow and he turned around and rebuked me. And it was pure mental. My lips weren't moving. Again, this is this is the, the, the power of prayer. If Catholics were able to see this, it would just... It, and I'll tell you, who, you know who knows this, Taylor? The dark side, the occult. They understand the power of curses and hexes and incantations and they know... That they have that they have the power to even oftentimes uh, uh you know cause physical damage to a person uh you know mess with a person's uh emotions if catholics had just a, a, a faith in what the word of god talks about prayer the bible says that prayer in the book of jeremiah it says it's like fire that comes out of our mouth jeremiah mm -hmm. says it's like a rock that smashes the book of Revelation says it's a sword that comes out of our mouth, the, the, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's a sword that pierces bone and marrow. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's called the sword of the spirit, the word of God. If Catholics under only understood the power of prayer, uh, they would be they would be absolutely rocked. Here's one more. You'll like this one. A, a priest friend of mine from Rome visiting some priests in San Francisco, some of his brother priests that he went to seminary with. He's in San Francisco. He's taking the BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. 
Uh, he's off for a week in Rome. He's got uh, civilian clothes. He's in the bar. He's in the, in the very back. And all of a sudden, it's like 12 noon. He goes, oh, I'm going to do my Angelus. And then he started going, I haven't done my rosary. I'm going to do my rosary. So he takes out his rosary, starts praying in the back of the Bart. The Bart stops. About a dozen young people step in. And uh, they sit in the front of the Bart. And he looks outside from the building they came out from. The building was dark. It was like a brown building. And the window had a pentagram on it. Mm. And about a dozen young people came from that building onto the BART. He's praying the rosary in the back. The young people, as soon as the BART takes off, they stand up. They start walking in a circle in the front of the BART. And they're speaking in unknown languages. They were doing a ritual curse, ritual incantations, ritual invocations of demons. The priest is in the very back. And he's like, whoa. That looks freaky. He's praying his rosary. All of a sudden, the main leader, the main leader, holds his ears and starts screaming. Ah, ah, somebody's praying. Stop that. Ah, somebody's praying. Stop them. Ah, stop them. The main guy. The other young people ran up and down the bar and they're looking at people, looking at their lips. The father's saying, well, I'm an old man. These guys are about half my age. So father went from moving his lips to mental prayer. Then he took his rosary and put it in his pocket. So he's still praying the rosary, but in his pocket. And he went from vocal prayer to mental prayer. So he's just back there in the back of the bar. And they're looking around. And the, and the, 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 the leader is saying, somebody's praying. Stop them. Stop them. Somebody's praying. Father says, they're going to find out that it's me real soon as soon as the bard stopped on the next uh the, the next depot he got off took a bike and rode the bike to to his uh his friend's rectory but uh again he, he said jess i was praying mental prayer they didn't see me pray the rosary i wasn't moving my lips and yet the prayers that i was praying was causing them pain yes you know how you know how old this teaching is taylor I, I, I found this in Tertullian and St. Cyprian of Carthage, second and third century writers that have said that the prayers, our prayers, torment and, and wound and drive demons away. I can go back and find second century and third century fathers of the church and other writers that are already talking about the efficacy of prayer in in tormenting and driving demons back this is old catholicism yes and if catholics knew that man he, he, and here's the way i get men to pray and it's helpful i say okay every time the the bible it, it talks about prayer it talks about prayer as an offensive weapon a sword an arrow a rock that smashes fire uh and so it, it there prayers always identified with some type of offensive weapon it has an offensive nature to it and so okay let's take this the, the the arrow imagery i tell guys look at guys god is giving you ten thousand arrows let's just put that number out there you got ten thousand arrows in your war bag every time you pray you fire an arrow against the enemy into the cosmos and you're driving the enemy back and you're putting a hedge of protection around your family and you're keeping yourself protected as a patriarch 
Men are called to fire, 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 fire. Too many men, Taylor, when they drop dead, they're going to go before this judgment seat of Christ and they're going to have a garage full of arrows that they never fired. Mm. So mm. I tell guys, guys, God has given you whatever amount of arrows in your war bag, fire them every day. Morning, midday, evening, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Morning, midday, evening, grace before meals, fire, fire away. Those prayers have an offensive nature, especially when they're fired by the patriarch, by the man of the house. Yes. You know, there was there was this, um, going back to the pornography thing, there was this, on the side of the highway, there was one of these places that had XXX on it, you know? Every time I drove by that place, I would say, Lord, I rebuke that place. Lord, destroy this place. <laughs> Guess what? A couple years later, I drove by, it burned down. Wow. Now, I'm not saying it was my prayers. It could have been someone else's prayers. But you never know. Probably a lot of people's prayers, yours included. Right. Because Catholics and Protestants, every time they passed by, they were firing, they were firing arrows. arrows. And then one day, the thing burned down. And our Lord delights in that. He could destroy it anytime he wants. He wants us to cooperate and participate in the battle. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even need, he doesn't yeah. even need the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos. He doesn't even, but he chooses. Exactly. He doesn't need St. Michael. He could do it himself. But he chooses to incorporate his creatures into the battle plan and into the victory so we have to pick up the weapon. We have to shoot the arrows. That's what he's, that's his design to defeat the devil because that humiliates the devil that we little creatures by his power overcome him. Exactly, because the devil knows that he can't match wits with God the Trinity because God's supernatural and the devil's preternatural. So he knows he's way, 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 way out of his league. And so we human beings were natural God humiliates the demons by taking those that are natural to be able to defeat those that are preternatural. Yeah. It humiliates them. It's like an analogy would be, imagine if your dog gave you your name and said, your name is such and such. Hmm. You're going to say, no, my dog can't give me my name. I give my dog its name. He can't give me my name. Right. That's an inversion of, of the natural law. And so demons, when they see that God has given human beings like us, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the saints, authority over them, it's merely done to humiliate them. The lower, the lower the humans are able to, in, in, with God's grace and with God's permissive will, are able to overcome those of a higher order, those preternatural beings called demons. Yep. And Jesse, what do you say to the person... They're at home, they're watching CNN, and they're like the WEF, and Davos, and Klaus Schwab, and Pope Francis is going to take away the Latin Mass, and they just shot the bishop in L.A., and everything is horrible, and yes, I have my, my blessed candles, my beeswax candles, I'm ready for three days of darkness, but, you know, whether that happens tomorrow, or 20 years from now, or 200 years, I mean... What do you say to that person that's just, they're overwhelmed with anxiety? I'll tell you what helps people. You're not anxious, but they're anxious. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what helps people with, uh, that, with anxiety. 
spending time in silent prayer before the blessed sacrament that really helps with anxiety depression despondency silent prayer before the blessed sacrament because as you well know uh silent prayer the contemplation is the highest form of prayer and that's what brings what fulton she says it brings you peace of soul serenity of conscience and that's what we need and here's also something else that as catholics we have to learn taylor sometimes too many catholics we need to learn to disconnect from the world too many mm -hmm. catholics are, are are constantly connected to the world and we need some downtime some disconnect time uh and so don't don't all again you don't always have to answer your phone you don't always have to check your email every hour you don't always have to do those things uh we need some downtime we need some detachment time and it's you don't good. have to always watch be up on the latest catholic news scandal i know we talk about it but even in my own life i will go days where i don't look at any of it even that and i that's what i do we talk about it yeah. but i even in my own life the the magnitude of evil and all that's like you know what Today, I'm just going to have to pray 15 decades. I'm not even going to go into it. I'm not even going to go into Twitter. I'm not even going to go look at the, the latest. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's called, it, we have to learn that little by little. It's, the saints call that uh, detachment. Mm -hmm. Guess what's going to happen when you die? You're going you're gonna to practice detachment perfectly. You're not going to take anything with you, probably except your underwear and your socks and the shoes that you have on. You're totally going to detach from your phone, your bank account, from your from everything. And so that's what that's what the Christian life is. It's it's an exercise little by little, day by day, you know, right foot before left foot, left foot before right foot. It's the practice of detaching from this world. Mm -hmm. And so we practice it as Catholics during these monastic periods, times of the church. There's times to practice it. And you can incorporate this into your into your uh into your uh daily faith walk again one of the things i know many good priests and and, and i try to i've been doing it for years they say just take fit uh, your, your entire day take 15 minutes just of meditation that's after the rosary just 15 minutes of meditating just on god and on heaven on the afterlife and on death judgment 15 minutes of meditation and you know who does that real good the secularists they go to these yoga things of oh, i meditate i meditate and these these buddhists and hindus they all practice meditation. You got in all these clinics out there. Come over here and practice. Uh, I forget the word that they call it, uh, but they even got some fancy psychological word for it. I tell people, Catholics, we have that. We have meditation. We've had that for 2,000 years in Catholicism. You don't have to go to the Zen Buddhism and your yoga and all these other, you know, uh, uh, modernist, uh, you know, psychobabble things that they're that they're promoting out there. But it's the good thing. Just quiet silence i'll tell you another thing that saint augustine and saint thomas aquinas said which is good uh for stress take a hot bath both of them said that mm -hmm. take a hot bath mm -hmm. here's something else they said take a nap mm -hmm. take a nap that's 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 another good thing uh yes yeah, so, so, some very practical things that saint augustine says about you know about fighting anxiety um and, and one of them is again that's detachment i think also taylor a lot of yeah, take a walk are, if you get especially if you get mad you're mad at your your take spouse a walk, take, your kid your job yeah. go take an hour walk yeah yeah that, that's, that's the blood flowing that's great 
And I, I even tell Catholics, it's just a good even for all, especially men, find some type of exercise to do. Find something. It's just good as, as men because we, we owe this to our families because we're the patriarch. And guess what? Uh, if you have to get physical, you may have to get physical someday. We live in a world of that's full of violent people. And so it's just good. I mean, even if it's just taking a two, three-mile walk a day, maybe doing 10 push-ups, do, but every Catholic man owes it to their family to do something physical. That's right. Also, T Taylor, I think one of the things that a lot of Catholics, when they get start going through a deeper conversion, a lot of Catholics start becoming very scrupulous. Mm. That's, that's also not good. Scrupulosity is yeah. not good. I like what Archbishop Fulton Sheen, he would say about scrupulosity. He says, you're thinking too much of yourself. Yes, that's right. Start thinking about other people worse off than you are. Yeah. Quit thinking about yourself. Yeah. yeah. I heard a good one just a, an hour ago from a priest here. He said, hope is taking future goods and bringing them into the present. Mm, right? Like, like heaven, salvation to future yeah. good, bring it into the present. And then he didn't say this, but I think the inverse is true. Anxiety is taking not even real future bad things, but perceived future bad things and bringing them into your present. They don't even exist yet. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And that makes you anxious. Yeah. You know, we can, with our own mind, torment ourselves with future potential things that can really terrorize ourselves. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. There's a morning prayer. I think it was written like a hundred years ago by, I forget what Cardinal, like a hundred years ago. It's called a prayer to the whole, it's called a prayer for holiness and happiness to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it goes, and it, it, it's a Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul. I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me, tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire me and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let me only know your will. So that's one of my morning prayers. And the cardinal that wrote, the cardinal that wrote that, I remember he says, this is a, a short prayer asking the Holy Spirit right in the morning to help you become holy. And if you be, and if you pursue holiness, you're going to be happy because the word happy, it's, it's the same Greek word, makarios, uh, which means blessed, blessed, happy, fortunate. It's all the same Greek word, makarios. So if you're pursuing holiness, you're going to be happy. Yeah. And so that, that's, that I say, I just tell people as Catholics, oftentimes we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We kind of forget about the Holy Spirit. So that's just a prayer that I've been doing when I came across it 20, 25 years ago. Uh, I said, oh, this is a beautiful short little prayer to call the Holy Spirit every morning and because I know if I'm going to do the Holy, if I'm asking the Holy Spirit, I want to do your will. That's what's going to lead to, to holiness and happiness. Jesse, when we were in Florida, were we talking about the surrender novena? Were you there for that? You mentioned that to me. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good. It's nine I've days. Yeah. I surrender I've... everything to Jesus. And it's, it's just a good reminder. I surrender everything. My money my bank account, my kids, my home, my, I mean, you think about all this anxiety and trouble we have, we just got to give it to Jesus. That sounds so basic, 
when you're praying the novena, you're like, man, I really don't give this stuff to Jesus every day. I'm wrestling it myself. I got to surrender it. That's, that's good. That's real good. I like that. But I think this relates to the anxiety. It's like, oh, man, I'm really worried about Klaus Schwab and, uh, and eating bugs and all this crazy stuff they're telling us, right? And not having a house by 2030. Yeah. Having nothing by 2030. Exactly. And being happy about it. But you're like, well, <laughs> have I ever taken all this stuff I'm worried about, like eating bugs, and not given it to Jesus? Like I've ever surrendered that anxiety? The answer is no, when you think about it a lot of times, like all the stuff that you've been stressed about for two weeks or two years, you realize, well, I'm never I'm not really ever coming before the cross with this stuff. Taylor, I think that's where a lot of men need to shore up their interior life, mm. their interiority. A lot of men are good at the external things, at doing things, at fixing things, putting gadgets together. But women are better at their interiority. And that's where guys have to work on. Because again, uh, if a man's a patriarch, which he is, uh, remember, the blessings of a father, the Bible says in, I think it's Exodus chapter 20 and Exodus chapter 32, your, the father's blessings are so powerful, it goes down a thousand generations. Mm -hmm. And it says a father's sins go down three and four generations. So it shows you the flow of grace, but also the flow of sin. It comes from patriarchy mm -hmm. and it goes down to the offspring and it goes down generations. And uh, and so as, and that's why as, as Catholic men, it's. What's, what's so important is for Catholic men to work, work on their interior life, on your interiority. And again, I think what's, what's good for Catholic men, men need structure. Just follow the Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 principle, morning, midday, and evening prayers. Put, a, put on your phone. Put a time where your phone goes off in the morning, you got morning prayer. Your phone goes off in the afternoon, you do your afternoon prayer. Your phone goes off in the evening. You got evening prayer. Use your phone if you have to, to remind you, bring structure into your life. Where a lot of Catholics men blow it is their, uh, their prayer revolves around their life instead of their life revolving around prayer. Yes. A big difference. And you have to plan it, fellas. You're not going to just, well, it's noon. I wonder what I should pray right now. Mm. That's never going to happen, right? Your My phone goes off at 11.55 every day. It says Angelus. The reason I don't put it at noon is you, sometimes at noon, I have something happening at noon. And I always miss my Angelus. So I put 11.55 and then it goes off and I pray my Angelus every day, 11.55. That's a plan that I'm committed to doing. It's in my phone. It's structured. I got to do it. If I'm with someone who's Catholic, I say, let's pray the angels. It's almost noon. And you do it. And then you got to do the same thing with your prayers before meals. It's a non-negotiable. You do it infallibly every single time. Always. You pray your rosary every single day. Always. If something happens and it's 1.05 a.m. and you're like, I haven't prayed my rosary. 
you got to just pray that rosary. You got to get in a rosary. Yeah. Always. And these are just the thing. I, I got to go to confession. These are all the things you structure it in. Just like you structure in, I'm going to put in this amount of money every month in my 401k so I can retire. You know, I'm going to make sure I call all my kids every Sunday. All the things that you do as a man, you got to do that in the spiritual. There's there's two images, Tano, that, that are helpful for me in the, in the Old Testament for men. In the Old Testament, there was a, a post called the Watchmen. The Watchmen, it was a patriarchal post, and it were, these were guards that were responsible for protecting the towns, and these uh, they were on the walls of Jerusalem, and they were watching for enemy attacks. And so the men would station themselves on the high walls or in watchtowers. Uh, and again, their job was to keep watch and to, to warn the townspeople of in t impending dangers, protect women, protect children. And, uh, you know, you had people that are, it was 24 hours, the watchmen. When they saw the enemy, so every Catholic man is called to be a watchman for his own domestic church. And also they're called to be a watchman in the church militant, Ecclesia Militans, that's Holy Mother Church. So we're called to be watchmen for your domestic church and for the church at large. But then sometimes the watchman has to become an archer. You see the enemy coming. Now you go from watching the walls and watching the enemy. Now it comes to take out your bow and arrow. And now it's time to start firing prayers. So and a man. Blow the horn. Yeah, there you go. Now what's it called? The, the uh, uh, shofar. That's right. The shofar. Yeah. Because sometimes, and this is another thing that guys need and women, but especially guys, you need to rally the brethren. If you see the enemy coming to your city, to your parish, right, to your family, yes, you could fire arrows, but it's much better to blow the, the horn and then have 12 other guys with bows and arrows together. And I think a lot of us don't have, we have friends at work, but you don't have Catholic men friends who are holding you accountable pushing you to fast pushing you to pray hey let's go on that silent retreat we should go on that silent retreat. you know pushing you blowing the horn hmm. we got to do that yeah you're, you're absolutely right uh and i'll tell you as as catholics when it's all said and done and we stand before this judgment seat of christ i always think about that i say okay the lord gave me a sword the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, at baptism, we became children of God. We're, we went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light under the kingdom of Christ. At confirmation, we became soldiers of Christ. What does a soldier have in the Roman army 2,000 years ago? A Roman short sword. We're, and and, and St. Paul uses that imagery in Ephesians chapter 6. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's an offensive weapon. At the end of our life, as men... We will stand before the tribunal of Christ, and Christ is going to ask us, let me see your sword. We're going to give him this mystical sword that he gave us at confirmation when the bishop laid hands on us. And some people's swords are, are will have never been used. They're going to be mm -hmm. brand stinking new. No chips, no cuts, no nicks, no scratches, no dents, no chips, no bone blood, no nothing. Jesus is going to say, what did you do? I gave you this. What did you do? Some people, please God, us, 
please God. We're going to give the Lord Jesus Christ our mystical sword. It's going to be full of blood, chipped, dented, parts missing, nicked, scratched, and say, Lord, I give it back to you. You want to give Jesus back a beat up, used, bloody sword that you received at confirmation. Yeah, that's right. All right. Happy Ash Wednesday, Jesse. Same to you, brother. Yes, we're, in a, good. we're in a fight, 40 days, 46 yeah. days, if you count the Sundays. 46 days. This is, this is training. The church wants us to train every year. can't remember which church father said, but Lent is a tithe of the year. There's 365 days in the year. So if you round up, you get 40 days. That's a tenth of the year, a little over a tenth. Wow. It's our tithe to the Lord. Wow. That's we say, wow. we say, you know what? I'm not having milkshakes. I'm not having candy. I'm not having ice cream. Maybe you're not having meat. You're not drinking alcohol. You're not watching TV. We got to get back with the Lord. We got to be strong. So let's make this a Lent dedicated to the Lord. Fatima, Amen. we didn't even talk about Fatima. We got to go. Penance, penance, penance. Three times. Just like in Mass, we say Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. The angel in Fatima says penance, penance, penance. A triple play. We have to live penance. Amen. Co we any closing word, Jesse? Yeah, uh, closing words is uh, pray your rosary daily. Consecrate yourself to Our Lady. Wear your brown scapular. Do penance. Offer your, your sufferings. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. And remember uh, the Saturdays, the first uh, Saturday devotion. Uh, that's Heaven's Peace Plan. That's, that's, that's the solution to the problem, to the mess we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Amen. All right, let's say, uh, let's say Hail Mary together. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis pecadoribus nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Saint Joseph. Ora pro nobis. Saint John Vianney. Ora pro nobis. Saint Thomas Aquinas. Ora pro nobis. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right. Happy Lent to all. Happy Ash Wednesday. Jesse, thanks for coming on. All right, brother. God bless you. We'll see you soon. God bless. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Pray for us. Amen.